Fuck Batman. I'm Chris Bybee. <laughs> I'm Eddie Webb. And today we talk about Titans on John Ross. So a little bit of backstage stuff. Normally we have a sheet. We'll put up the quote because a quote is usually something that we don't want to memorize beforehand. And the other person gets to see it and say, oh, that's what they're probably going to say. And I purposely left this quote blank. (laughs) And also we have now uh, reduced our uh, time to F-bomb to zero. (laughs) That metric is now officially over. Much like James Gunn, I have to throw in at least one fuck in every movie. <laughs> well, that, that, that was certainly going up in his last few films, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, we're at Titans. It was a, a long road to get here. This is what we're going to end the whole series run on. Oh, dear God, I hope not. And you're right, we're winning because that would be a horrible ending. Um, <laughs> little, I guess, up front. So, uh, Titans. Hmm. Where to start? This is a show that I actually watched the first three seasons when it aired, which oh, I enjoyed. Internet, right? uh, yeah, well, or for me, back in the day, it was just this thing I think called, I think even HBO Max had it back then, too. Okay. But now HBO Max is no more. I don't think DC Infinite is anymore. <laughs> yeah, now this we thing just has survived three streaming services. <laughs> It's like the resurrection man. It just keeps coming back always with a different power. Just never quite as cool. Right. Um, right. And so I, and I enjoyed it enough that I watched the first three seasons of it, but by then I'd kind of fallen off and I have a very much almost, I would say Jupiter's legacy esque love hate with this show. <laughs> That's fair. What about you? Um, I had never watched it. Uh, honestly, because uh, the early marketing for it did it no favors. I mean, a lot of it was centered around that that very succinct quote you gave earlier, um, which which felt like it was way too edgy for its own good. Um, and I had fairly recently become a pretty big fan of the um, uh, Wolfman Perez run of the Teen Titans. And so it's like, ah, I don't know if uh, – I feel like this is not going to be for me. Um, I then since found out that uh, Doom Patrol kind of spun out of this. Not really, not entirely. Uh, Doom Patrol were played by the same actors on this, but there's different setup for the Doom Patrol in the actual show. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So I had mean to come back around to it and never found the time. So this is the first time I've actually watched it properly. And to that point, I guess we'll do a little bit more back of the house stuff. One of the reasons that we didn't do the Doom Patrol episode is originally we were going to do an entire, sorry, a, the Doom episode episode of Titans is because mm. we're going to do an entire Doom Patrol episode of Journalist. But it turns out that it is not really readily available in Eddie's new location. Even, even worse, it is kind of available. Uh, episodes one, four, five, six, eight, and nine of season one are available. Um, two, it just doesn't exist. And the other ones are listed as not available in your area. So I can watch two thirds of the first season of Doom Patrol 
uh, and I, like, I, I just I just call, I just called an audible on it and said no, of course we're not doing Doom Patrol, which is sad because I had watched the first episode. Go, oh yeah, I remember the show being really cool, but I can't watch the episodes I wanted to talk about. So, so you'll have to wait to the end of this episode to find out what we're going to do next episode. But just know that it was almost Doom Patrol episode four of Titans because that is one of their better episodes. But I said no, yeah. I will sacrifice this good episode for Eddie's larger episode. And now we deep, we both deeply regret it. All right. Had to put that out. Um, <laughs> one of my, I'm going to even start it off with this. One of, and Eddie can even see my username on the, uh, <laughs> the browser that we're using as we can look at each other and have the, the recording is that this iteration of Titans is a five being team. Can't even say persons because who knows if alien technically comes a person. I could then go into a larger subset of what an alien would be compared to what a cyborg would be. Right. right. As a random a example on this show, which there is not. And to, I guess, make it matters even worse, cyborg is actually one of the main cast members of Doom Patrol, which, if you're a comic book reader, you know that uh, Beast Boy Changeling came from Doom Patrol. Right. And so to have this core team of four and i use the term team very loosely and i use four very loosely also um to not include cyborg is an automatic strike in my book yeah and uh also um i was we're, we're jumping a little bit but i was also upset at how minimally deanna troy um donna troy was deandra i'd watch star trek can you tell uh, Donna Troy had been used because Donna Troy was actually one of my the characters I kind of liked in their run, and and she just kind of is a supporting character for at least this season. Um, so it it's a team show that doesn't really involve a team, and like you said, it, it's it's very loose how much of a team they actually are, uh, and it's I don't know it, it, everything about it said uh, uh, edgy reboot, and it is. But it's not even the interesting parts of the AJ reboot, which is frustrating. To give an example, one of the intrinsic, eventually we'll get to some good points. But right now I want to highlight the points that irritated me as a viewer and then transition into stuff that I did enjoy. Mm -hmm. Is that much how when Torchwood first aired, it constantly said that it is the adult version of Doctor Who. Yep. And that is their big thing. And by adult, they mean that we can show a little bit more sexiness and we can use profanities. And that was like adult. It is a a 14-year-old's idea of being an adult. And Titans, Tatted itself, is an adult superhero show that could show sex and use profanities and gratuitous violence. Mm -hmm. And that's not making anything necessarily an adult show. You're making a, a gritty show. Kudos to you for that. But... Right it doesn't necessarily have the depth or complexity that it should have. And it touches on a lot of having watched a whole series. It touched on a lot of really deep issues and an incredibly superficial and non studied and caring way. Like there's yeah. a huge issue with Hawking Dove, one episode with Hawking Dove, which we skipped because it does a thing that shows do they bring on a marginalized character and then kill off the marginalized character for the white character to then get a white person who would become their love interest and the two white characters run off and deal with their own emotional problems while the marginalized character is killed to motivate that. Yeah, that, that sounds extremely frustrating. I mean, aside from the fact that 
honestly, Dog and Hawk and Dove are not good characters. There's never been a good iteration of them. Uh, uh, I mean, they started off as Steve Ditko's weird kind of uh, ideological thing that uh, the strong man should survive and that Dove was just there to kind of prove that strong men are the, the real reason why anything happens. Uh, but then to find <laughs> that it's used for an even worse political statement is just, eh. and it kind of, it's interesting you mentioned tar- torture because I was feeling the same thing through this. It was, uh, to, dip, to, to quickly dive, dip into episode one, just because I want to use illustrative point, um, the, the quote you gave of fuck Batman would have been interesting if it was used in any kind of context, but it wasn't. Robin shows up on screen beats a bunch of people up, and the only thing he says for the whole fight is those two words. And it's mm-hmm. like, why are you mad at Batman? Why do these random hoods need to hear that you're mad at Batman? What, what, is, what is, is going on here? And it and so it's taking uh, some stuff because the original comic book run did actually try to address some interesting points, again, in a ham-fisted, you know, early 80s kind of way, but at least it tried to tackle topics uh, on some level and this show just doesn't seem interested in doing that and i will i'll take a larger step back to the production now so that i can go back and hammer in on something else that we've touched on before one of the large creative forces behind this i want to say they even helped write the first episode was the problematic jeff johns Mm -hmm. which then goes back to the larger conversation about the cyborg character which if you want to hear that you can listen to the other episode but I'm coming all the way around to this to make a point that, and I also want to say Greg Berlanti, who is, if I remember right, the mastermind behind the Arrowverse. Yes. Is also instrumental in the creation of the show. I think they're all executive producers, but help write the first episode. And that would also tell you that a lot of the tropes that we saw in the Arrowverse, we continue to see here. Except mm-hmm. we see them here on a on a uh, more gritty level that can show you more stuff because of the network that they're on. Right. And it's that basically what would happen if the CW had access to cable, you know? Yeah. And that doesn't make them better. In a lot of ways, that makes them kind of worse. Because that means they can rely more on graphic violence and scenery to offset the weaker parts of the writing. And we've, we've talked how um, limitations can often lead to creativity. And I think this is a good example of that is because when uh, CW had a limited budget and limited content constraints, um, it was never amazing in our view, but there's some, some good stuff came out of it because they were limited and therefore had to find creative ways around how to address things. When they had effectively a, a, a unlimited budget and no constraints because they were originally writing this for DC's own streaming service so they could do whatever they wanted to, as long as DC was okay with it and DC could stump up the cash because this is when I think DC was owned by Warner I did, the, the DC corporate machinations have sometimes lost on me but they had money behind them at the time uh, and so it's it, it's kind of frustrating because like this is clearly meant to be their flagship show uh, and it just you're right. It is a 14 year old's view of what is adult and does nothing interesting with it. And also is just kind of meh. Um, especially considering some of these people then went on to make shows like Swamp Thing and Doom Patrol, which are miles better. Uh, um, but this is kind of their attempt at a mini Arrowverse, as you can tell by the people involved with it. And it just never quite got there. 
And for people that are curious, the only reason that we're not doing Swamp Thing is it's not readily available, at least in the U.S. Because I look. <laughs> because I would be curious about a show, a superhero. I use, well, as I would say, a supernatural show with heroic overtones that focuses on body horror. I am really curious how that yeah. would have been executed. I've yeah. never seen that. Um, so Titans originally was, I think, was being batted around in 2014. It was going to even be on TNT. But different things happened and it wasn't picked up by TNT. And that's when it sort of transitioned over to the DC Infinite and it was going to become their flagship show. And even the initial concept, the team was Robin, Raven, Beast Boy, Wonder Girl, Hawk and Dove. There was never at any point in time the fifth member of the band. I'm going to keep harping on Cyborg (laughs) because this team needs Cyborg to balance them out. Like that is intrinsically what it misses. And mm, a little frustrating. And I love the idea of a very dark superhero show with superheroes battling the supernatural forces. Mm-hmm. Once again, plugging something that I wrote that it could be published someday by a larger company. I wrote this. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, literally, I, I wrote this um, before the show came out. So right. to not have it done better bothers me and that is why i'm spending so much time now harping on it because it had so much potential i love the idea of it being dark i love that it's taking dick grayson my favorite robin and trying something new although i would have liked to have seen dick grayson in this show but i i live with what we got the actor that was portraying this iteration of dick in this elseworld i like what he did i Mm like what all the actors brought to their roles they all did great with the material that they had on hand yeah yeah, and this and the honestly, I, I'm with you. Like, this is one of those shows where we're often kind of waffling. Like we say, like they could have done this, they could have done that. Um, this is one of the few cases where I think we can point pretty firmly at the writing uh, because special effects are very strong. Um, the actors took the material they could and ran with it. Sometimes elevating some really crap lines. Yeah. Uh, the editing clearly is trying to make all this hang together in some kind of cohesive fashion. Uh, but this, this whole thing feels like it was written by committee and it probably was, but how can you quote the writing when you have exquisite lines like fuck Batman? That is, that is, that was, and honestly, that kind of stuff is the, that's what a CW-ness of it shows. Because if you watch CW shows, you start to see, oh, this scene was put in just so they can make the, the, the sizzle reel or the commercial of it that has actually so, so it can go in a very different direction. So people can see, oh, it's supposed to be one thing. And it goes in another direction. Um, and then someone forgot to mention the other direction part of that scene. <laughs> no, we have to have okay. a scene where Robin swears. It'd be great. All right. That, that is enough of that. We're, we're getting into what we do here. We're going to talk about the actual stuff now. But putting it aside, get all that up front. Hopefully you made it this far. If not, we'll hopefully see you next episode. The Teen Titans. Go, go, go. Um, The (laughs) Titans themselves, at least in the 80s generation, was primarily made of five members. There was Robin, who had become Nightwing. There was Starfire, who was the alien with a lot of solar-based powers and energy control. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to tell you Nightwing's power power set and skill set, because you already know. Um, If you don't know that, then you're at the wrong podcast. His power set is being traumatized by Batman, yes. (laughs) Uh, Then there was Beast Boy, who could transform into pretty much any animal. As long as it was green. And then there was Raven, who is always the Raven, who is a weird mix of 
de- half demonic daughter with empath- empathic tele- telekinetic and dark force powers, but never to any great extent other than they were uncontrollable and great for plot and drama. Raven had the best power, which is whatever the plot demanded. <laughs> and we round off that core team with Cyborg, who was, as the name would suggest, uh, partially cybernetic, who did a lot of the tech stuff and had some energy-based attacks and stuff like that. Like, that is your core team. Uh, and then Wonder Girl the way, was there at the beginning, too. Was she? Yeah, she, yeah she, was, she was in one of the very first issues. She was actually part of the original I, Teen Titans team. I'm not talking version. about them. We could talk uh, no. about Kid Flash at that point if you want to. And I, um, I, I would love to talk about Kid Flash, but we're not going to. Oh, God. What was it? And what was the name of the bay that they were in? And there was the... Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have snippets of the original Titans, which no, I no, not no. You, you're, like you're, you you're, you're missing the most amazing Teen Titan, which was the guy whose superpower was he punched an angel and took his horn so he could blow the horn to summon creatures to attack his enemies. <laughs> hmm. Now I'm curious if the Umbrella Academy riffed that character for uh, Ben, who had died, who summons creatures to attack his enemies. Honestly, there's a fair bit of Bob Haney DC in the Umbrella Academy, yes. Because <laughs> if you didn't know, Bob Haney wrote a lot of the chunk of the original Teen Titans, and Bob Haney was an extremely creative individual, let's put it that way. <laughs> And then the eight, then the eighties team eventually recruits Jericho, and a lot of mm-hmm. other shenanigans occur. It's it's a great run. You should go and read it. Terra, they also eventually yeah. encounter the X Men. Yes, figure that one out, people. Uh, they also uh, did a a number of issues specifically about drug abuse, um, featuring a character that only appeared in those because they couldn't get the rights to Robin. But that's when we had Speedy, who was also on drugs. Um, so. <laughs> For the show, having talked a little bit about the comics, we have Dick Grayson Robin, who is a police detective in Detroit, not Bloodhaven or Gotham, Yep, who is trying to give up his Robin moniker, but yet is drawn back to it like it's an addiction of some kind. Then we have Starfire and pyronetic, super strong, amnesiatic person mm-hmm. who has Shaft and Luke Cage vibes written all over them. Oh, yeah. Then we go to Raven, who is a crux of the first season, who is a traumatized young woman with dark powers? <laughs> Question mark? Again, um, it's almost like she has the powers the plot require of her. <laughs> we go to Beast Boy, Changeling. I don't know which one. I can't remember which one they called him here other than they called Beast him Gar Boy. in the show. Yeah, they, they, a couple times they just use the codename It's Beast Boy in this one. Who turns primarily into a tiger because of very limited special effects and budget. That <laughs> is, you know, green. And we get cameos from Hawk and Dove, who we've already mentioned that we didn't see in these three episodes. Wonder Girl, who is basically Wonder Woman, except human. That Well, it depends on which iteration of Wonder Girl you want to go for. <laughs> oh, God. The Wonder Girl ha- snafu. There's a lot of different stories. My favorite one, I want to say at the time, is where she's a normal human who goes to Themyscira and they hit her with a purple beam and they give her superpowers. Yep. So let it be known, the Amazonians can turn anyone at any point in time into a superpower being. Boom. Hands do down. You, 
They do win you know, the war. Do you know why the real re- real war real world reason why Wonder Girl's background is so weird? No, I don't. Okay, so the original Teen Titans, um, the original premise was that uh, they were going to show. Um, you know, obviously teenage versions of, of the superheroes, but they were all different characters. Um, Bob Haney did research, and I use that in quotes, um, and said, oh, yeah, uh, I found this issue where uh, there's a younger woman that looks like she's dressed like Wonder Woman, so that's Wonder Girl, and I'll use her. Not realizing that was supposed to be a flashback issue where Wonder Woman is at a younger age. <laughs> so they had Wonder Girl there for like years before someone's like, um, who is this Wonder Girl? There, there's no character called Wonder Girl. So they had to quickly make a backstory. And it's like literally in like two panels. It's like, and, and it, I swear to God, it's like something along the lines of Kid Flash going, you know what? We never found out where you came from. And she goes, well, actually I was hit by a purple beam. And, and but anyway, back to the case in question, let's go hunt down the mad mod and, and beat up his clothing store. Cause Bob Haney, um, seriously, the entire issue hinges around drug laced clothing. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, they just forgot that she wasn't a character. Um, and then Marv Wolfman's like, okay, we're actually going to give her a proper backstory and do like a whole arc, which is fantastic, of who is Donna Troy. And actually was a really cool backstory of like how she really came to be and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they got retconned and they got retconned and they got re-retconned and back and forth. And now it's just a mess. All right. That, that, that's cool. I will actually have to read up on that now. And we also get... Robin, Jason Todd, the most beloved of Robins at the time, who is not at all killed off no. by the Joker from like a mail or call-in vote no. by the fans. And the one that I left off the list, because I'm not sure if Eddie went far enough to watch this entire series. No. Then he doesn't know that the in credit scene, the stinger of the entire series to get people to come back for next season is... A shot of a figure killing a bunch of scientists at. <sighs> I'll just go tell you. Uh, it's Connor Kent and Crypto. Uh, or what? The very stinger, it's Crypto? Even the dog. Because in the second season, they have. We're, we're not. We're never going to do Titan season two. I'm sorry, folks. Or Titan season three. I think okay. season four is right in it. And Crypto shoots heat beams from his eyes. It is the best. It is so cheesy, but I love it so much. So this is the point where I think I have to point out that Connor <clears throat> Kent was actually never part of the Titans. He was part of Young Justice, which is a different but affiliated team. Uh, uh, but Crypto is amazing. I actually would have watched season two if Crypto was in it. Yeah. Uh, and so that is, that's how they ran off the team. All of that, I have one more gripe. Part of the problem with the show is that... The re- how they get people to keep coming back and keep watching is they don't deepen characters that much. Instead, they just add more people. It has mm. the legends problem of we yeah. just keep keep adding people so it reinvigorates the show and then we get an overly bloated cast. And if you can't tell, that rapidly happens. Most of this season is actually about Hawk and Dove and Dick. It's not about the Titans. Right. Even though it's ostensibly about Raven. Oh, no, no. The series is, is pretty much about Dick. Raven is just the MacGuffin that they use to tell Dick's story. Because Which, even the... I will say at least is in line with the Marv Wolfman run. Because <laughs> that was kind of what happened the first like dozen issues. I'm, I'm giving all, all kinds of spoilers and all, all, all over the place because... Well, and it's super early for me right now. Um, 
the season even ends with like a vision for Dick going and doing fighting against Batman. So like the entire series is about Dick's eventual evolution to Nightwing, supposedly. Right. Everyone else is kind of there. That's a shame. And I'll front load this one. I think the show would have been so much better if they hadn't called it Titans, if they just made it an original show and ran with it. They just wanted name recognition. It's the same similar problem I have with a lot of things that make Sherlock Holmes stuff that's not Sherlock Holmes or other shows that aren't those characters, but just using their names to make something so people watch. Chris Spivey, are you saying that Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century was nothing but a heartless cash and has nothing to do with the original canon? <laughs> I think you said it for me, but I am in utter agreement. Sherlock Holmes, my friend, was preserved in honey for 200 years, which is a proven scientific fact. <laughs> the show is actually amazing, and I want to talk about it at some point in time because it, it's so bad. It it's, turns around to be actually quite fun. But uh, yes, your larger point, um, this I'm, – I'm not against reboots. We've actually, we've actually been very uh, – a chunk of the Arrowverse is functionally a gritty reboot. Arrow season one was a gritty reboot and we kind of like that. Um, so the concept isn't the problem. Um, this is a show that doesn't seem to get what the Titans are about. Although originally they said they were going to stay closer to the material, but just make it gritty. Yeah. I don't right. know what material they're using, but they not the ones I'm familiar with. We're like 20 something minutes into the show. I guess we should really talk about the episodes that we're to talk about. Right, right. Although, Millie, I'm just having fun doing this and shows you how much I really want to dive into these episodes right now. I'm not at all offended by the fact that Coriander has amnesia and that is like the entire real crux of the character, which goes back to a larger conversation again. I'm not even going to talk on the point that they've equivalently made the one black character a, a sex worker because sex workers are amazing, but to have that be like her whole character arc with amnesia like that. Blah, blah. And that that's, that's, that's really frustrating because like outside of that, this is actually my favorite version of Corey Anders, honestly, <laughs> because yeah. I mean, so many versions of, of Corey are just kind of her kind of being like either a berserker and has no intellect or just a simp to uh, Nightwing and just does whatever he wants and to see a version of, of Corey that's like actually no dick wrong and I'm happy to blow the hell out of you if you don't listen to what I have to say was actually refreshing um, again it was a case of the actor elevating the really shitty material they gave her mm-hmm. um, but it was I, I, I mean on some level you're talking about a character whose name is a pun on a spice so there's only <laughs> so much you can work with I keep saying I'm going to go on, but <laughs> we're going to say what? Dick is 21? Sure. How is he a police detective? All right, let's go into season one, episode one, Titans. <laughs> Following her mother, Melissa's murder at the hands of a mysterious assassin, Rachel Roth, exhibits telekinetic powers in Flea's town. Detroit police detective, Detroit police detective, Detroit police detective, Dick Grayson fights crime at night as a vigilante Robin. Rachel is picked up by the Detroit police, recognizes Dick from her visions, and asks him for help. By the time he realizes that she was telling the truth about her mother, 
Rachel has been drugged and abducted. Meanwhile, in Vienna, Austria, Corey Anders awakens in a bullet-ridden car wreck with no memory of her identity. She finds her way to the gangster Korvar. That's not right, but you know what? Sure, whatever. <laughs> whom she apparently betrayed in her search for a certain girl, Rachel. Uh, when they attempt to shoot her, she releases fiery power that incinerates a gangster and his goons in the room. About to be ritually slain by the man who killed her mother, Rachel blacks out as a darker version of herself emerges and kills her would-be murderer. Dick arrives and takes her off to safety. In Covington, Ohio, a green tiger is seen on the prowl in an electronic store at night. Later, the tiger escapes the store and transforms into a green-haired young man with a stolen video game. So, um, uh, I actually want to start with the, the vision, because that's one of the first scenes we see is Corey's vision of Dick, um, which is actually a, a moderately clever way to kind of recap Dick Grayson's story and insert another character into that conversation. Um, and for those zero listeners who don't know Robin's story about the Graysons dying, they're, they're acrobats, they died. And there was a bit where in the background, there's digital board says the flying Graysons and then the flying part disappears. It just says the Graysons and then they die. And I'm like, if you had taken a half a second with that script and just replaced it and had the board change from the flying Graysons to the dying Graysons, that would have actually been clever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's what's going to happen. It's going to change the dying Graysons. And I just didn't. I'm like, but that's such a, that's, that's such an obvious extra bit to add to this scene. Cause it, it would show it's a dream. It would show that it's not real. It's meant to be kind of more of, of, uh, of uh, illustrative than uh, reality. Um, and it was set a tone of this woman has the ability to, predict the future and see things in kind of visions and, and uh, uh, not direct lines, but like, you know, uh, images, imagery. That's what I'm looking for. Um, but it just didn't. And it's like, so, and that's, that's the tone for the whole episode was like, Oh, this is not going to be at all trying to be nuanced. It's just gonna hit the exact beats you expect it to. And it basically does. Yeah. But I have to ask you now, did you recognize our Twin Peaks alum? No, who? Uh, her caretaker slash mother of the moment is from Twin Peaks. Really? Did Who'd you not play? recognize Audrey Horn? Oh, God, Cheryl no, I Finn, didn't. No, I did not. Who later did Root Awakenings? That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so... I was excited to see to see Audrey. I'm all, I always like seeing Audrey. Yeah, yeah. Um, this episode's not five stars. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Maybe we subtract like four point two five stars from that, then we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, that that that's not true. It was better than that. Uh, for a pilot episode, it was decent. Like yeah. on the whole, it gives you everything that you need to get a sense of the characters. But it shows you definitely who our primary characters are and who are going to be our tertiary characters, all in that, what, 50-odd minutes? Right. And it as you said, it hits all the beats, and it's very much sort of a, a workman-style show. Like, we've done everything we got to do. We've done it professionally. This should be all we have to give you. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, 
I know we've been given some stick about some of the interpretations, but uh, I do want to come through. I liked the fact that uh, uh, Raven is younger here. I think that actually adds an interesting element to the dynamics that was missing from original comics. Um, because a lot of the original comics, you, you kind of look at Raven going, why are they just not bouncing you out of the team? But it's, oh, she's a kid. Okay, that makes sense, right? So she can have these emotional flare-ups and make bad decisions because she's a kid. Um, and it also takes the the frankly uh, kind of awkward Robin Raven relationship teasing off the table, um, and, and it also gives something nice to for Dick to do because it's the okay he hated how Batman treated him and now he's responsible for a child as well, putting him exactly into Bruce's role and him refusing to kind of accept that and then when he does, well I'll do it differently and then doing basically exactly the same thing. So it, there's a nice character arc of him trying to be Bruce and becoming exactly Bruce. Uh, only with less money. Uh, so, I mean, that <laughs> piece was actually really good. And I was, I was actually happy to see that. Um, but to your point, um, this is very much a show where we're going to spend several episodes getting all the threads to, to, to weave together. And you can do that. Uh, but you need to make sure that each thread has roughly equal weight so that you care about the characters equally. But instead what we have is, oh, this is going to be a show about uh, uh, Dick and Rachel. And then also Corey and Gar are going to show up occasionally too. Mm -hmm. And we get the incredibly graphic fight scene that to, to set the tone for the show, in case you're curious, where we have Robin show up. We see that the Batarangs, in fact, pierce people they just don't bop them on the head and they fall down right. they sink directly into skin and then we get robin rubbing someone's face against a brick wall and a broken glass window like mm -hmm. that is our level of violence that we're going for that's not someone who's going to then just sort of shake it off and then go oh i wonder who i'm going to what villain i'm going to go work for next week these people are now in the hospital or they've died right. hands down there's no anything and Honestly, it, it, it's a problem we've had before. It raises some questions I don't think the writers want to ask because it's like, okay, um, one, which version of Batman taught you? Uh, two, if you're rebelling against Batman, are you rebelling against extremely pacifist Batman or are you rebelling against extremely violent Batman? Because if it's B, you're failing. Uh, and then three, what kind of police training did you receive to make all this okay in your head? Um, because like, by by 15 minutes in, I was like, I don't like Dick Grayson. No. I, 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 there's nothing about him that I like. And the only reason why I stuck, I, I mean, well, besides the fact that we agreed to watch his three episodes, the only reason why I kept watching was because, okay, <laughs> I want to see how Rachel ties into this. Maybe Rachel will humanize him. And and that that's generally what seems to be what happens. Um, but you have one character that's really not likable and two characters that are only kind of happy. Like, like Corey's uh, a blank slate, so that's not a character we can attach any emotion to. Uh, and then Gar is just a tiger who likes video games, which, you know, granted, I can sympathize with. I'm also secretly a tiger who likes video games. But, I mean, aside from that, I don't really have any kind of sympathy for him. <laughs> and so we get that graphic scene of violence, which then we find out, even through the course of this episode, that he is concerned about some of the violence that Batman does. But then that brings in a question. If this is his level of violence that he is lessening from Batman, then Batman must obviously just be killing people. Because there isn't really a middle ground because Dick has effectively killed people here. Right. Hands down. There's no way to avoid that. And then that makes me, as a viewer, 
not want to have these superheroes do anything. Because yeah, as much as I as much as I harped on the code for uh, the code, you know, legacy, the code. Superheroes are about moral complexity, and right. where's that line? And I myself have rooted for Batman before just to kill the Joker, much how mm-hmm. I was rooting for um, Paragon in Jupiter's Legacy to have killed Blasto or whoever he was because <laughs> the amount of other people. <laughs> hey, I, I've. You might as well be. I'm you're, you're a, not wrong. <laughs> I'm running a Fallout New Vegas game right now. You should be glad I don't call him Fisto at this point. I, Fisto was That's amazing. For all my Fallout New Vegas fans. Fisto was an amazing master of the universe, and I will not have the slander. (laughs) I was talking about the robot in Fallout New Vegas that literally does his namesake, but it's another thing. Um, So many Fistos. So then, but he's doing this violence to just random street mooks. Like these guys are not, I'm not going to say not important. They're still damaging people's lives, but they are not the people that you would do that to. You, you, you beat them up, you put them in prison and they go through the system and they're likely not going to come back out for a while. They're right. not committing it, mass murders of like cities and nations. Yeah. And, and that's, again, it's invites the question of like, he starts off this episode going, I'm not Robin anymore. You, or sorry. <clears throat> I'm not Robin anymore. I mean, he might as well be saying in that voice. Um, it's like, you know, I, and he's rejecting this. And then like the first time someone's like, you know, I'm not going to stop crime. I'm not going to stop crime. I'm a police officer. Hopefully they'll not put me in contact with any crime that I might want to stop. <laughs> and then the first crime that's more than just a little annoying is like, you know, I'm suiting up. And it's just like, you either have no self-awareness, which is possible. There are people like that. Um, and you can make interesting fiction with that, or it's just bad writing. And at this point in the episode, it's hard to tell which is which. Especially when you have sh- such scintillating lines like "fuck Batman," I think Eddie, what you're saying is that Dick Grayson, Robin, has failed this city. <laughs> yes, he really has. He has failed Detroit. Okay, thank you for saying Detroit because that gave me one more lead in. <laughs> man, man, maybe we can't publish this show because we're, we're roasting <laughs> this show. Um, Detroit, Detroit is historically a very black city. I, yeah, it is pretty white if it's supposed to be in a tray. <laughs> and I want to point out that Dick Grayson operates in Gotham. Dick mm-hmm. leaves to get his own series, and it's in Bloodhaven. Yep. Why is Dick Grayson, white vigilante, white police detective, in a primarily black city, and then he goes, even as a police detective, the one friend he makes is another white cop. My answer is that uh, his paperwork got mixed up with cyborgs. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm Chris's face bombing right now. <laughs> do I do I need to connect all the dots, or can I just leave it at that? It's I I, I think you can leave it at that. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I don't I don't think we need to step through this whole episode because I mean, honestly, everything. We, we want to talk about, we either talk about beforehand or kind of in the middle of this. I don't think there's anything really kind of compelling here. I, the one thing I, I want to point out is that, again, this is, for what we see of Corey here, I really liked her in this episode um, because 
I like the fact that uh, she is a, a, a black woman and dark skinned black woman at that. Um, she gets pulled over with a bunch of white guys and it just shows no fear. And she's like, listen, I'm just here to do a thing. And they're like, no, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, whatever. And just blows them up and seems almost kind of bored with it in a way that I really liked. Um, because to me, that is Starfire. Starfire is a warrior. Um, and she is extremely powerful and she's constantly holding back. And because she doesn't know who she is right now, she has no reason to think that she needs to hold back. And so she just lets loose and obliterates people. And I was like, I really like this. I like this interpretation of, of, of Corey because I feel like that I can see an arc of where she and Dick, when they're written well, can balance each other out. You know, um, he he goes the code upon her um, and says, this is how Batman trained to be. And she can go, yeah, but also occasionally she just murder people and that will make things better. <laughs> uh, and when they're written well, that's actually really, in, that's the moral complexity you're talking about. They balance each other out because, you know, to, to, to pull from X-Men a bit, you know, Corey is right. Uh, sometimes people, you know, just, it is better if, if they die from a superhero perspective. Um, but often she's not right. And, uh, her instincts need to be ringed in. The show does not seem to deliver on that dynamic, which is frustrating. But here you can see kind of like, okay, I can see where maybe this is going. It's like, I wasn't happy with Dick, but maybe this will uh, uh, put her in the right direction. Or maybe it's put the show in the right direction. And before we move on, I do want to point out something for Rachel. It was a nice touch for to show how smart Rachel is, even when she's plagued by... Her, her darker half, which, are, which is basically um, her own inner demons is what the demon is manifesting itself as, which everyone has. And so that's a blunt and very nice over-the-top touchstone. But when she goes to the homeless, not the homeless shelter, it's the, uh, I forgot what it was. When she goes there and they give her food and everything else and someone takes her outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. To a back alley and she's all of her own spidey senses are going off. She does a smart thing and runs, but she doesn't get to run away. Instead, she sees a police car and then she engages with that in a way to stop to have herself arrested, which this is going to be one of the few times you will ever, ever hear me say it was smart for a character to get themselves arrested. But sure. in her situation, it was, and that shows that she's thinking it's not her unleashing her powers that she has a fear of that we've established for this whole mm -hmm. episode. But and then getting out of that situation. And we don't know if it was a bad or good thing that was going to happen to her. But yeah, it felt bad. That was the other thing I liked is that um, one of the few places the show was actually ambiguous. And it was a good place to be ambiguous because we never saw if that person was genuinely a social worker trying to help her or not. But certainly if she was a social worker, she handled that situation very badly. Um, so it, it's it's best case scenario. Social workers not good at their job, but you're right. The, the the cinematography and the music was certainly painting towards, yeah, something bad's going to happen here. If you don't have anything else about this, we can roll on because Gar's appearance in this is so minimal. Right. now, I want to talk about Gar some more, so we have to move on. Season one, episode five, together. Dick makes the alliance with Corey, Gar, and Rachel official, and they all demonstrate their powers, except Dick. Rachel and Gar <laughs> connect. Dick and Corey intertwine. Dr. Anderson <laughs> Addison sends a new nuclear stepdad to the family. The nuclear family attacks, but together the group is able to subdue them. Dick also reveals himself as Robin to the group. Dick visits Adamson, who kills the family via remote detonator. When a strike team comes for Dick, 
the new Robin appears to save him. Jason motherfucking Todd. And this was an episode that existed. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not even mad about it. It's just, it, it, it's written. This is one of the most comic booky episodes we've watched in all of this. This is one of them that I can look at and go, yeah, I can see the comic book pacing. You have to have the recap page where everyone shows their powers off. Um, you have to, you know, you introduce the villain. They're going to come in. The villain uh, does something nefarious. The, the heroes come in. The villains do a second nefarious thing, which actually adds a twist to the conflict. Uh, they capture the villains. Um, the villains are defeated. And then a, a thing happens that sets up for the next issue. Let's find out there's actually a layer beyond them. It's, it's so by the beats comic book uh, that I almost can't even talk about the episode as a whole. Um, but there are bits and pieces that I really liked. Like I loved how that power scene showed off each person's personality to the point of even Dick refusal to show his powers also shows something about his personality, which is that he's way too secretive, which is again, a sign of a Dick Grayson that's written really well is that Dick has learned all the wrong lessons from Bruce. Um, and that was one of them is that you can't tell everybody anything, even though he just told everyone he was Robin. Um, but you have like uh, uh, Rachel, who's extremely scared to use her powers and goes out of control. Um, you have Corey, who's just like, I could blow that up. Boom. Okay. I could blow it up next time. You know, I mean, it's very kind of, I'm arrogant and then not willing to admit that I've screwed up. Um, and Gar is kind of bashful, but really excited. Uh, you know, and he's just like, I, I could turn into a tiger. And like, if you don't just really love the fact you can turn into an animal, <laughs> that can go badly. But you're like, no, this is amazing. I can turn into a uh, very, you know, 17-year-old kid. It's like, I can turn into a tiger. It's awesome. But I'm shy. I don't want to ruin this jacket. So let me take this jacket off first, which is, again, so 17-year-old kid. Um, and then, like, the rest of the episode happens. Um, but it was just like... Like, like even the enemies, it's like, oh, it's Stepford Wives with the whole family, and they're also murderous. That, that, that's, it just didn't seem to do anything interesting with that concept. And maybe it didn't previous or future episodes. I don't know. But this episode was just like, yeah, they're hunting them down, and they murder them, and they're kind of have no emotions except for constantly smiling. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've, I've used those bad guys in adventures before, right? They're great for NPCs for, like, role-playing games, but on TV yeah. for a dark gritty reboot it's like you might as well use you mean you know the full the, 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 the royal flesh gang <laughs> okay how would you dress the royal flesh gang royal flesh gang because i'm assuming they're not like in their white spandex things with like the little card symbols on themselves because Why no not? one in this is in a costume yet other Why than robin not? no one else here has a costume no what no no what you actually do is you put them into uh white racing leathers with um the the suit on, on the breast and then you give them code names based on their, their suit ranking. So nice they would also look. just be generically strong. Much how the nuclear family is generically tough and strong. But at least they would have personality because they bicker, right? The Royal Flesh Gang, one of the, one of the things I like about the Royal Flesh Gang is that it's usually just five people thrown together. Um, there's always someone they've had to replace because someone has died or gone to jail. And so they have, but they always have to have five and one of them is a robot, uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why it's always a robot, but it's always a robot. Um, Super and, yeah, and never talks, which is literally that that's the reason. True. That's fair. We need someone who's super strong and we don't trust anybody else. So we're just going to build somebody. Great. Although, um, but, you know, if they'd done that, 
they mm-hmm. could have then had a tie-in with Stargirl because her real dad was a member of the Royal Flesh Gang. Gang. See, see, it all ties together. See, if, if they had done that, it would have been better. No, I mean, uh, uh, don't listen to me. I also thought that um, uh, Sportsman was a great character. Sportsmaster was a great character. So, you know, I should have to listen to it. But my point is that this could have been a really cool way to showcase each of these characters doing something cool, and that kind of just doesn't happen. Yeah. But we have the crux of what the Teen Titans was was known for, though. We have all this drama, high emotions, and sexy time. And we get all that right here in the first 10 minutes or so. Right, and then nothing after that. And then this thing is like, uh, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Dick and Corey relationship here. It just, we skipped three episodes, so I'm recognizing that's part of it. But it does seem it's very forced here. Oh, so... Oh, if I remember right, episode two was Hawk and Dove. So there was like no, none of the Titans, just Hawk and Dove episode. Oh, geez. I want to say three and four had them break up. I think episode three, they broke up and they meet Corey, like the team splits. They're not mm-hmm. a team and they sort of come back together in four. I think they break up again. And this is them coming together as a Titans. That is why I chose. No, I'm sorry. Episode four is where they meet Beast Boy because that was a Doom Patrol episode I was going to pick. Oh, right. Originally, it was going to be episode one, four and five. Okay. And we're going to call it a day. But this is where so they actually forced. form the Titans. Yeah, it is very much so. Because but, I felt like I felt like Rachel and Gar's relationship was more organic. Um, I don't know because they had a conversation as opposed to just going right to fucking. I will challenge that assertion, sir. As two attractive, consenting adults in a highly stressful situation. I can understand that sometimes you just need to enjoy the moment because who knows if you're going to be there tomorrow because they don't have a relationship. They have a fuck. There's a significant difference between those two. That's fair. And honestly, and we'll say uh, none of this is on Corey's side because Corey has always been written as a very passionate character. And even in the comic book, she was like, I don't understand why you have this hang up. Why can't we just fuck? I mean, she can't say that. In a comics code way, she says that, but basically she's always been like that um, and written sometimes badly with that in mind. But, you know, she's always felt like, like why can't you just love people? Um, and, and and this is what we should do. Because uh, so we're in America was, with weird hangups about sex. Right. And that's kind of what well, the I'm comic sorry. says. I'm in America with weird hangups about sex. You're oh, no. in the UK and I have no idea what they're. And the, the British also have weird hangups about sex. They're just different weird hangups. Um uh, but I mean, it, it, so it's more like, Dick, I can't tell you who I am, but I can have sex with this person I just barely know. That That's the part that seems forced to me because he's so guarded as a character and so secretive. It seems weird that would happen, but I see your point. I, I can see why maybe Dick also has had zero exposure in how to have human relationships because, you know. Bruce is not exactly a great mentor on that front. Um, and so maybe he's like, what would Bruce do? He would sleep with a hot lady. So maybe that is exactly what it is, you know? Well, not as a spoiler, but next episode will also reinforce the fact that this is not the Dick Grayson we know who is not good with people just okay. from those interactions we find out with from Donna next episode. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to say about this episode? I, I really, I really got nothing other than uh, Jason Todd shows up and you don't really need two Robins in a show five episodes in. No, no. And the, the best part was the first 10 minutes. 
All right, we can move on to season one, episode eight, Donna Troy. While Rachel, Corey, and Gar accompany Angela by train to the house she owns in Ohio, Dick goes off on his own to reconnect with an old friend named Donna Troy. The FBI stop the train in search of Corey, but she and the others escape after she causes a train car to explode. Afterwards, they make their way to Kildeer, Ohio, while Rachel uses her powers to unlock Corey's memory. Donna translates texts that Dick to photograph in Corey's storage unit. Donna's interpretation of the lost ancient language is that Corey's mission is to kill Rachel. Corey has a flash of memory and grabs Rachel by the throat. End of episode. And uh, I, again, it's it's where I'm frustrated because like I love Donna Troy in this, um, because she's used well. I mean, she's and again, again, this comes from the original comic book run, but. Donna didn't really want to be a superhero. She wanted to just have a life. She wanted to be a photographer, which is reflected here. Um, and so she did it when she was a teenager and she came to adult and it's like, okay, it's time to stop screwing around and, and start doing something with my life. Uh, and to, again, have another character who's willing to just call Dick out um, is, is, is desperately needed in this show. Um, and she just has a, a very effortless she that actor did a really good job of showing that these two had a very long-term relationship with almost very with very little dialogue and almost no screen time to get it across and she would did a really good job of getting right and i've been uh given dick grayson some stick but the actor again like you said is, is doing a really good job of presenting someone who cares about this person but also sucks at social interactions and she again calls it out here um, which is good, but but I mean, she's a really good job of like going. I don't want to be a superhero. Okay, I'll do this favor for you because you're my friend. Um, and then it's okay. Well, there's his language, and I'm super interested in this because she's curious. Donna's curious. She's like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm not doing this because I'm helping you. I'm doing this because I'm interested in this. And then she gets sucked in, which is neat. And I assume she gets more involved as we go on. But um, it honestly felt like the only reason why she took so long to get her in is either there was a filming problem where they couldn't get her on set fast enough, or they didn't want to spend the money to show off her super strength and flying. That that encapsulated the whole episode. So I'm going to go back and break it down a little bit more. Okay. We, we won't, because <laughs> there are some, some points I would like to touch on. The fact that they formed, officially formed a team in episode five. And by episode eight, they're breaking up the team. Right. The entire conceit of the show about titans is hard because they're constantly getting together and breaking apart without any consistent unity for them as a group this is an x-men runs counterintuitive to what they're supposedly trying to do and as a viewer first time i remember watching it it was like why are they doing this and i don't understand why we constantly pull together to break apart the team again unless they don't have an actual enemy or antagonist or mission for them to accomplish together, which has been an underlying thing throughout this entire season. Right. And it goes back to how it all focuses on Dick and everyone else is very much secondary and pushed to the side, except for Dick's plots. Right. And I want to, want to highlight that just a little bit more, which then I, I, goes into, sorry, go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead and finish that. I was going to transition over to the Donna piece, but go ahead. I was just gonna say, like the only other thing about that that piece was, um, um, 
I liked, I was actually worried at this point that they weren't going to use uh, Raven's initial origin story. Um, and it seems like they are going in the direction. Like, I was like, okay, she just has weird powers. And they talk about her dad. And I'm like, is your dad actually a demon? And, and very much at, at this point stage, okay, they're, they're heavily hinting that, yes, he's some kind of supernatural thing. So like, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that they're doing that. And to that extent, I did like the fact that they didn't forget Starfire is, in fact, a wanted felon that they've created for the show from the mm-hmm. number of bodies that she's left behind. And that was a nice nod to that. And also you get the weird interaction between the FBI agent and her because he could just be someone that's interested in something else or he could have one interest in her interest in kidnapping Rachel. And that was nice to see how she would go and react, which reinforces the like the warrior nature and culture that you're talking about that she came from, how she just straight up confronted him in the hall when they were by themselves. Yeah, I love that because... um uh, she, you know, she, her warrior nature said, Why are you staring at me? Um, and he's like, I thought you were hot. I mean, attractive. And then she has that look on her face like, Well, I am attractive. <laughs> 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 and and that, the, 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 that balance of her sensual warrior nature just really kind of, and, and again, it was, it's, it's not a, a voiced bit of dialogue. She just drops him. But the actor added something to that of the, like, it was a subtle reaction of like that kind of half beat of staring at the guy, like, that you could be a valid reason I hadn't thought of. <laughs> and then lets him go. A, a tangent for this, the actress Anna Diop actually has petitioned somewhat to be Storm for the MCU. Oh, she would be an amazing Storm. Yeah. So mm, I, I like that one a lot, which means yeah, yeah. that the MCU probably won't do it. No, because they disappoint us so far. Much how I, I keep petitioning for, for my man Cheedy to be Reed Richards, but yeah oh man he would be so good or even the maker but anyway uh so then we do get the donna troy piece and this goes back to what i mentioned earlier is showing how bad dick is in social interactions which is someone else that is bad in social interactions i tip my hat to that (laughs) big big kudos because she just tries to get him to decompress and have fun and he doesn't Mm -hmm. know how to do it and you constantly get that reinforced even when she takes him to her art showing and you have someone, this guy hitting on him and he is oblivious to all of it. Yes. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Look at this. Well, I was there when she did so-and-so with this type of camera. And that person's like, Hey, let's do the thing. Let's woohoo. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, and (laughs) that guy has to be saved by his friends from that conversation, which I've seen happen. Uh, I'm not going to say it's happened to myself, but maybe. (laughs) oblivious to things so like those are very good and they're fun and then have donna leave to go try to do some undercover work and actively tell dick not to come because she knows what he will do goes to the depth of their relationship which is also very nicely done look at all these compliments i have for this show um yeah i mean i i I love the fact that dick oh god dick is so bad at his job in some ways like right and again i think it's intentional um but like he's everything to be secretive and his attempts to be secretive are so obvious that everyone immediately suspects him whereas don it's just a message like oh i, I got a work thing i gotta go no no good see you have a good time you know i gotta go and it's like she doesn't like make it like a big huge thing she just quietly just expertly leaves the situation and goes off into superhero shit um and it's it's so effortless and it's just like Again, I believe that this is a woman who's been doing this for a very long time, um, and she's 
very connected society, which is interesting because none of the other characters, and again, by design, are tied in society. Gar's run away. Uh, Rachel's you know, lost her family and found it again. Uh, Corey's lost her memory. Dick is trained by Batman. Uh, and so Donna Troy's own one's like, I've actually made an effort to understand how people work and to try to work with them. And you saw that there. And again, that's, that's one of the things that she has this heart and this, this love of humanity and wanting to be a part of humanity. And so her just kind of going, no, I got a work thing. It's like, that would solve so many problems if more superheroes understood that. <laughs> and this episode also finally gives a big tip of its hat to a larger universe with Donna by saying, showing them as kids and saying, yeah, one Roman's downstairs talking to Bruce. Like that means there's an entire justice league that was mm-hmm. there beforehand. Be- beautiful and you don't have to bring them in but we now know they've been there they've been there since they've been kids so that was obviously what 10 years ago so now yeah. you're curious like what where's the justice league what happened to them there's this massive extended universe they could go into mm-hmm. and again when someone asks oh our parents used to work together it's like very smooth very subtle it answers the question without actually saying anything and it's like oh so good and we get the exchange where she's taking like the photos and she's has this plan that'll bring down an entire network and you get Dick crashing in and mm-hmm. to take care of the immediate problem that then wrecks everything. But you see her smart enough to say, all right, if you've done this, then this is what I need to do to try to get my plan back on track. And that's where I got frustrated because Donna is acting like the detective here. And I'm not mad about Donna being a detective, but Dick was literally trained by the alleged league world's greatest detective. And on top of that, he's a trained police detective, allegedly. And he sucks at both of these things. He is in no way, shape, or form a detective. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy the fact that it happened in the previous episode, but where Dick burned his Robin costume and you get the talking about this with his friend that he's confused and doesn't know where to go with his life. Like that Mm -hmm. goes again and reinforcing their relationship. Mm -hmm. I think these are the pieces that were originally scripted out and written and they try, they didn't have enough to make a 11 episode run and they tried to fill in a bunch of other stuff and they just kept throwing other characters in to buff it out, which weakens the entire piece. It's funny. Now that you mentioned that I can see a version of this that gets edited down to basically a two and a half, three hour movie. And probably would mm-hmm. be reasonably satisfying. Um, Corey, Raven, Farm. That's all I got to say about that. I again, I'm glad that Corey is actually an alien. I, I, I was worried about that for a bit. Um, but you nope, know, she, 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 we see a flash of her on a starship, straight up an alien. I'm like, okay, um, doesn't quite track. I was I was almost tempted to keep watching because I was curious how this connected, but I was like, I could just look it up on Wikipedia. I wasn't that, <laughs> that interested. Um, but again, it, it, it's... I feel like we said... I remember a show I said this about before, but it's one of those shows where like the meat of it, I was only kind of vaguely interested in, but the little moments I get really sucked in. Like just the little bits and pieces of like, I was really excited about this. I'm excited about that. And not even as a fan, just as someone watching media i was like there, there's these moments like this could, if more of a show was like this it could have been really fantastic um and it, 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 i think you're right i feel i feel like it ended up just being bloated like maybe it was shopped around as uh a very different show and it got passed around and rewritten and rewritten it, it very much feels like it was rewritten several times um but it goes back to the editing like like the when 
the this bit where they're translating the text and then uh, they're healing Corey's memory that was edited really well and paced really well um, and where it's the the revelation you start to suspect something's wrong just as Raven's about to touch Corey and then there's that fake out of like well maybe you shouldn't do this but then she does anyway um, and then you go back to the text it's like nope she's actually going to kill Raven. And by then we know it's too late. Um, that's pure editing, right? That, that, I mean, it could have been written that way too, but in terms of the editing helps to sell that moment so much better by juxtaposing those at just the right moments. Um, and so I was like, okay, yes, this is, this is exciting. This is engaging. This is not flabby, which so much of the show felt like it just kind of kept, it was like a little too long or just a little too much dialogue. And Again, weirdly kind of posing with the fact that, like I wanted more of the Donna and Dick relationship, so maybe it's not the right kind of dialogue. They they put they put the focus in the wrong places at times, um, and the editing tries to salvage some of that and does a decent job. But I'm sure there's reams and reams and reams of of footage of of that FBI train scene that just kind of didn't go anywhere except for Corey blew up a train car. <laughs> and another kudos to the show is, and this is really subtle, is that in episode five during the training sequence, when Raven loses control of her power, the thing that snaps her back is when Corey blasts her dark shape with her power, mm-hmm. turning her back to Rachel, mm-hmm. which is a very nice little touch to then link to like, this is her mission to come here to kill her, supposedly. And so those all link. So it shows that there was a, at least a plan throughout the series like from start to finish you know there is a plan and it's just the items they hung on the clothing line are somewhat out of sync because i'm gonna say titans it's a good show it's not a great show it's not a bad show it's a good show and i wish that it had been better and more succinct yeah i I think i think that's a really good summation um it's it's one of those shows that I think we're, we're hard on it just because we're frustrated because we see the potential in it. Um, there are certainly shows that we're hard on because they deserve it. Looking at you, Batwoman. Um, but there are some shows that we're hard on like this where it's like we want to like it more and we can see that there's something more there. Um, but it ends up kind of just not hitting. Uh, and this is one that if I was more invested in, I might say, okay, let's try season two, see if they because sometimes for seasons they don't get it right, you know, and, and I feel like maybe they could have gotten better in season two. I don't know. Um, uh, but your comment about them adding more characters does not fill me with hope because you're, you're right. That's a, that is a different problem of like, okay, we saw this character arc. We cannot possibly do anything more with them. So let's bring in more characters um, where it's like, no, it's you keep iterating and you give them more to do and more to do and more to do. We get, just as an example, we get Starfire's sister, we get Superboy, eventually Tim Drake shows up, Hawk and Dove become major parts of the team. Another like, Robin shows up? I think that's in season three. Like I said, it's a, it's a good show, and Jeez. I wanted it so bad. I gave it, I watched it three seasons. Yeah, yeah. And I don't do that. And I was like, come on, you're like almost there. If you just, and it never quite made those adjustments. That's why I haven't seen season four. It's the last season, mm. but I can't motivate myself to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Any final comments on Titan season one? I can see why the DC streaming content experiment failed pretty quickly. Um, I mean, 
it, not this is a bad show, but this was clearly meant to be their flagship show, and I don't think it quite got the buzz they were hoping for. It 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 feels a lot like the same problems that um, Jupiter's Legacy had that we talked about that you mentioned it before. There's some commonalities between them. It's like we're going to hang a whole universe off this, and it's not ready for that kind of weight. Um, in a way, it moving to Max uh, probably saved it because it wasn't a load-bearing show anymore. It wasn't like the whole streaming strategy was hanging on this show. Now it could just be a superhero show. And so let's give a couple more seasons to see where it goes. Um, uh, it's even more frustrating because, uh, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, I really wanted to talk about Doom Patrol because Doom Patrol is definitely a better show than this, um, partially because there were no expectations about that show. Uh, and it ended up being really good as, as, as a result of it. Um, and then you have Swamp Thing, which was canceled purely because it went over budget and uh, they couldn't afford to film anymore. They ran out of money and, and they weren't going to get any more because at that point in time, DC is wrapping up the things. So Swamp Thing was done. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting look into what could have been another arrowverse style experiments uh they got cut cut ahead of its time and i I think also covid probably had something to do with all of this too um uh but titans as much as as much as stick we gave arrow season one we all saw a lot of potential in arrow season one and we could see how a whole thing built off of this i couldn't i can't see a whole cluster of shows gravitating around this show because there's just you're right the hints are there but but there's not enough uh, heart or momentum or even emission statements to really kind of hang anything else on. And the reason I believe that the Arrowverse works so well is that it gave not equal time, but it gave more time to the secondary characters of yep. Dig, mm-hmm. Felicity, Ollie's sister, even the mom. And right. so by spreading that out, you built an infrastructure that you can hang pieces off of. for different characters and then they spiral out into more characters into other worlds this put too much emphasis on just dick and everything hung off of dick and you can't have that and then build off of that you needed to establish the base now where we have everyone so one of our experiments that we like to do sometimes is like how would i rewrite the show Mm -hmm. for this i know that you haven't seen all of it but i would have other than adding cyborg which i will obviously harp on one last time here but since we can't do that I would have focused more on the four main characters. I would have cut the Hawking Dove episode. Actually, I would have truncated the first four episodes down to three. So we would have had Beast Boy by episode four. And then I would have slotted the Donna episode in by five or six. Mm -hmm. And then you would have had Donna on the team. And then you would have had a very cohesive team. And you would have still had three or four episodes to find out Raven Sing and build more interconnections between the group. Right. And you have the best characters. Right. Alternatively, if you wanted to keep this similar structure and, and not do that much change, which I actually, I, I agree with you. I, I think that would make a stronger Titan show. But you also could have called this show Nightwing and just made a Nightwing show. Keep that focus on Dick Grayson. Uh, but then leaven in slightly more of the Batman mythos and the, the creation of Team Titans, the Titans become the support cast, and they put the focus on them like you're doing now, but then they become that support cast to Dick Grayson more explicitly. And I think that would also be a, a, another way that you could have solved this problem. But then that would have definitely been showing too much that they were basically following the Arrow model because he wouldn't have been Nightwing yet. 
he would have still been Robin, much how right. Ollie was the hood uh, for multiple seasons until he became Green Arrow. And like, I don't think he becomes Nightwing till season three. Right. Well, I mean, that, that, and honestly, that's just a weird trend in superhero stuff media lately of let's save the obvious reveal for the very end, like the fact that the, the latest Fantastic Four movie, they never actually say the words Fantastic Four ever. And they explicitly lead up to that's about to say and then cut away from it because they're afraid of saying those two words, apparently. Um, so that's just kind of a, a, a trend. It's like, it, again, it's like you could have done that. You know, it's like, it, it shows called Nightwing. He's not Nightwing. We start, okay. Gee, I wonder if you called Nightwing by the end of the season. Yes, you will. That's not the surprise. <laughs> How does he get there? Um, it, it's similar to a show I've not seen yet, but I want to called Poker Face. Where it's really, really good. I've heard good things, but it's not a mystery show in the sense of you know who did it immediately. So it's about it's, how does she get there? It's a modern day Columbo. It is an right. exceptional show. Right. And so Natasha Leone, I think that's her pronounced last name. Yeah. Was awesome. She was herself, which is always great. And ah. Oh, yeah. Ryan well, it, Johnson, it, other than Star Wars, is amazing. I, I, I've recently come around to the Knives Out films um, and uh, Poker Face just dropped for streaming here in the UK like a few weeks ago. So um, I want to watch it. But I mean, that proves my point. Like you can do a show where the the, the question is not what happens. The question is how do you get there? Um, and it's the, okay, I know by the end of the season, Dick Grayson is going to turn to Nightwing and be the leader of a team. How do we get from here to there? And I think you can write a very satisfying show that way. Um, but to your point, if this is actually a Titans show and you want to have a rotating Titans cast, which is common for Titans comics, um, then yeah, that team needs to be together less than halfway through the show mm-hmm. and more or less stick together. There can be fallings out and in individual characters, you know, say, I've screwed them out. I mean, you can have tension there. That's fine. Conflict is good for media. Uh, but the Titans should more or less be a thing, episode four. And you don't introduce another Robin in your first season. If no. if it's Dick's thing about he's not sure who he wants to be, having a replacement character show up is not a good motivator impetus. That's eh. right, right, right. Um, uh, again, it's, I, I mean, if, if, if it's like a Titan show, yeah, that should be season two. It should be he actually confronts the Bat family on some level. This season should be just him. His new identity is I'm a team leader now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it was kind of doing both and it didn't do either very well. Now that I, I think we've given Titans more, more than it's due. Although where is cyborg? Um, Eddie, <laughs> what are we doing next time? We're going to watch the doom patrol. Oh, right. We're not doing a doom patrol. All right. Well then, um, after the show about, uh, profanity and violence, let's watch a completely different show called peacemaker, which is a show about <laughs> profanity and violence. Um, uh, Peacemaker, the John Cena vehicle that I won't say made him as a star because he was a star beforehand, but certainly escalated him. Uh, that is available on Max in the US, on Now in the UK. We're going to watch episode one, A Whole New World, episode four, The Chode Less Traveled, and episode seven, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. And you will appreciate these puns better when you see them written down because you don't really come across when you say them. I'm going to say now that I have never seen this show at all. You've never seen this show? No, and I I liked the Suicide Squad, and Peacemaker was my least favorite part of that entire movie. Not even Star- Starro I liked better than Peacemaker. So okay, I will see how I feel about this as we go through. Well, um, then I I, I will say, and actually, and for other people who may be feeling like you, um, I will say uh, that 
Peacemaker being unlikable is the intent of the show to a degree. Um, this is definitely a show to my mind where the supporting casts uh, uh, are stronger on, on some level. Um, but uh, it goes, it, it does a lot of things that we talked about in Titans, right? It, it, it's trying to address some humble things. It takes them head on very, very early uh, and continues to keep taking them on. Um, and uh, so, pe- and Peacemaker, his role as this character is constantly questioned. So it is, it is explicitly a follow-up from the Suicide Squad. Like the first two minutes is previously on the Suicide Squad and it recaps the Suicide Squad movie for you. So, I mean, it's, it directly follows from the Suicide Squad. So if you like that, I think you will like this, but I'm curious to see what and your thoughts are. I haven't watched the show, but I know the character of Peacemaker, like the comic book version of Peacemaker. He is, this is a show a where- A bag of uh, dicks is a generous way to describe him. Uh, James Gunn uh, does a really good job of taking minor comic book characters and rewriting them entirely. And this is another example of that. Uh, You'll see a a lot of names. Well, well, you may not recognize a lot of names. I had to look up a lot of them. Um, uh, They're extremely minor DC characters that are completely different from their comic book portrayal. Um, But Peacemaker, still a bag of dicks. That's not an inaccurate assumption for this character. And so one of the reasons I was so cool with us doing it right after Titans is that right now, I think there's a comic book run where Peacemaker is interacting with the Titans. So if anyone's oh. reading comics, because I saw a, a panel of it pop up recently. So if anyone's reading comics, they get to have that little joy also with it. Right. Um, and then next week, I'll also talk about the super interesting backstory of, of Peacemaker as a, as a, in the real world character, because we usually do our little bit of research of what the comic book version is like. I learned so much. I did not know about this character. So it's, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Uh, if so that, people are looking time. for you, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you or your stuff? Uh, you can find me in the Darker Hue Discord. Uh, not trolling as much as I should do, although I am complaining about uh, this guy on eBay who won't give me my poly bags, uh, but will tell me his life story. Um, so if you like that kind of stuff, comes to Darker Hue. But otherwise, you can find me and my stuff at uh, my website, pugsteady.com. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. Uh, or you can find me like that on Twitter or on dice.camp. If you're looking for me, you can find me in the Darker Hue Discord. Now posting funny Star Wars dad memes for some reason. Um, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at Darker underscore Hue on Dice Camp at DHS. Or you can come to my store, darkerstudios.com and buy some of my stuff. Or if you like these podcasts, you can come to the Patreon and get special episodes. I think we got to record. Look at you promoting your own Patreon. <laughs> well, I listened, listened to the last episode and you were doing it. So I felt like, man, I should really <laughs> take that burden off of Eddie and do it myself. <laughs> uh, so with that, we'll see you next time with Peacemaker. Be seeing you. <laughs>